Good morning, Sam. How are you doing today? Good, Eros, sir. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. The 29th Annual Critics' Choice Awards. To me, this is part of the playoffs on our way to the Super Bowl. And man, this is a good time to be watching these things. Absolutely. You know, and I think that's the point of the whole thing. The Oscars originally designed, essentially, to, to promote movie going in Hollywood. And now these subsequent wrote to Oscar award shows, Critics' Choice Awards being the most important step, frankly, on the road to Oscars. And I think in addition to acknowledging the big hits like Barbie and Oppenheimer, what happens here, I think, is saying, hey, look, here's a television show you may not be familiar with. Or here's a movie title, uh, American Fiction, as an example, you may not really know, and you should think about it, too. So it's, it's good to give accolades to the good stuff that people already know about, and it's especially good to bring up other things that people may not necessarily be that well aware of. I'm seeing fewer movie critics at these premieres, and I'm seeing more influencers. Will that somehow make its way into, the, like, a Critics' Choice Awards? That's a really good question. That's an excellent, excellent question. I think you're seeing more influencers because they're working in conjunction with the studios and the streamers to, quote-unquote, spread the word. Yep. But they don't, they don't perform the function that the members of our group do. Our group are professional critics, the Critics' Choice Association. So you have to have work published, you have to be on air or online. Uh, so not just anybody can get in. There's a real membership criteria. And these are people who do this professionally for a living, which is a, a distinction from a, a, an influencer who may be you know, a handsome lad or a gorgeous gal who shows up at a premiere and, and says to their followers, you know, oh my gosh, I'm here. and you know, Robert Downey Jr. has a beautiful cologne yeah, or something yeah. like that. I think I think we have a slightly higher-minded function. I'm glad you put it that way because it's the same way with podcasters because anybody can podcast, but they're not broadcasters. We've gone through the rigmarole. We've been through the blood and the guts and everything, and I'm so glad that you put it that way because now I have a, for, a, a platform I can stand on and say, no, I'm still a broadcaster. No, I, I tell you what, I have a colleague. I've, I've been on television in Los Angeles for uh, since the beginning of time. And one of my uh, colleagues, Mark Krisky, who's been our weatherman with us the whole time, says it so well that just because everybody can doesn't mean that everybody should. Yeah. (laughs) I I think you see kind of a diminishment of uh, a qualitative diminishment when everybody's doing it, not necessarily everybody's good at it. We got to talk about Paul Giamatti. My God, this guy, everything he touches, he just turns it into gold. There, there is a particular ability, and maybe this is an adjective that, that is overused, but I think it's applicable. There's a depth to Paul Giamatti. There, there are these layers to Paul Giamatti. And, and there's a description of, of a scene in The Holdovers where Paul Giamatti is silent. He doesn't speak, but he's thinking about four or five different things. <laughs> and, and you can almost see that thought process. <laughs> and and I, I've admired him for so long. And backstage at the Golden Globes, he talked about the man he owes his career to, interestingly enough, is Howard Stern, yep, yep, playing that radio yep. program director, Pig Vomit, in the Howard Stern movie. Paul Giamatti had done other roles before in a lot of kids' movies. My kids know him from Big Fat Liar uh, and, and several other movies of that ilk. But he said it was the role in the Stern movie that really got people to pay attention. And then, of course, I've been a huge Billions fan Paul, a fan of the cast as well. His social life kind of interesting now. He is dating uh, an actress named Clara Wong who played, quote-unquote, the mistress on Billions. 
Oh, and wow. uh, she was with him at the Golden Globes. We'll see who he brings to the Critics' Choice Award. <laughs> Would you say that the greatest pregnant pause in the history of movies is Oppenheimer? Because of that, I mean, we see the explosion, and then here comes the pause. Yeah, I mean, here, here's something that doesn't happen very often, and I'm going to equate uh, A to Z. Um, Better Call Saul, which, you know, I enjoyed very, very much yeah. as a TV series, and I should also point out the Critics' Choice Awards salute the best in movies and in television. And Better Call Saul, that opening sequence of the very first episode where he's the clandestine manager of the Cinnabon, and it might be a 10, 12-minute sequence of just the making of Cinnabon. And I watched it, and I was because I'm like, wow, they're really taking their time. And so what Christopher Nolan does very successfully in what is a long movie, Oppenheimer, is takes his time and there are these pauses but what was that old cliche the pause that refreshes <laughs> I, it, it, I noticed it as you did it, it didn't bother me it, it maybe showed an assurance uh that he's like this story is so compelling uh, the audience will will take in this pause it doesn't have to be so rat-a-tat-tat where there's something happening every 15 seconds so is it in our imagination that, uh, that there's a big war between what's what we're watching with our binge watching versus what's on the big screen? Because, I mean, I, I love The Bear. I love how that ha- it's a series and I couldn't watch it if it was a two hour movie. I, I love The Bear, too. And the phrase that I use, The Bear, by the way, a big nominee uh, on our television category. And, of course, uh, several of the stars uh, of The Bear receiving individual nominations. I always say. Best show, worst title. Yeah. <laughs> because while the bear obviously uh, is the name of the restaurant, I, I think people people didn't know. I didn't know what that title meant or how it related. I, I think that show is absolutely remarkable, and probably not since The Sopranos has there been such a water cooler show yes. where people are like, "Hey, have you seen that?" Or you've got to check this out. And it, you know, it's funny how how we come to know people that we didn't know. I guess Jeremy Allen White was in Shameless for years. I don't. I never really watched that show, and I don't remember him on it. Uh, but but boy, this show is beautifully cast. Uh, and I, I tell you what, as an entertainment reporter and as a fan, I'm excited to see these people at our Critics' Choice Awards and our Critics' Choice Red Carpet. I'll tell you, that had to have been Jamie Lee Curtis's best acting I've ever seen her do, especially when it comes to a dramatic role like that. Oh my gosh, that that particular episode. You know, one thing about the bear, it sort of, to me, leaves you wanting more, although there's an intensity to it. And there's so many different notes to it. That wonderful episode where the the sous chef went to Europe and sort of studied, that was amazing. But that that Christmas uh, dinner episode with that intensity, (laughs) yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable. And, you know, here's Jamie Lee Curtis, last year, the darling of award season, uh, talking about how, you know, Two years before that, she was known for doing uh, yogurt commercials. Yeah, yeah. So one thing, you know, I think it's analogous to sports, how careers can vary and careers can go up and down. I think it makes it interesting to observe show business, especially now. Am I the only one that had a problem watching Maestro with Bradley Cooper? Did you have a problem watching Maestro? Because I think it's very well made. Yep. And this is not a, a question implying any degree of homophobia. But, you know, here's a married artist who's a cad, but he's a cad with other men, not with women, which would be the traditional expectation. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of people that was off-putting for whatever reason. 
Um, I I think it's very well made. I think that climactic uh, conducting scene in the the British church is unbelievable. I mean, look at Bradley Cooper, you know, two for two in the most extraordinary way. Um, But I don't think it has been overall received by the public as strongly as it's been received by the critical community. He is a nominee for Best Director, for Best Actor. Uh, I mean, he's a very talented guy. It's one of those movies where I think I made my big mistake by not seeing it in the theater. I, I saw it on the flat screen, and, and I think that it, it's bigger than the flat screen. You're, you're exactly right. It merits me. I saw it in a theater, and it wow. merits being seen in a theater. Yeah, yeah. How about Color Purple? I mean, this is starting to happen where every one of these movies from the past are all becoming musicals, just like Mean Girls. It's like, oh, my God, didn't even know it was a musical. Color Purple, we just had uh, Daniel Brooks on our uh, television program in Los Angeles yesterday. And one thing that happens is you get to meet these people and, and really talk to them. She couldn't be more, more impressive. Wow. And, and there, I mean, it's like having Taraji P. Henson on. Uh, these are people, by the way, who will be you know, walking the red carpet of the Critics' Choice Awards who are nominees who will be attending. Um, I, I, and Coleman Domingo, there's nobody I, I like or admire more. I, I thought it was a real calculated risk because people you know, know and love that title. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not really promoting it as a musical, but I think that the musical numbers are pretty stirring. Sam, you're the best. I cannot wait to talk with you in the future many, many, many more times because you are speaking what I live, and that is movies and television.